I didn't need to know. I did not need to know. Okay. Anyway, I think the word you're looking for is anyway. All right. Welcome back. Oh, God. Welcome back to Did Not Need to Know. I'm Jenna. I'm Danielle. I love true crime. I don't like it. She's my sister, and she doesn't like it. And every week, I get to tell her stories that she did not need to know. And this is our one of our sweatshirts that she's wearing. Save your house, lock your doors, safety in numbers. Bitches. If you don't know, that bitch is our outro line. And outro. Outro. Intro, like outro. I know. It just sounded weird. I like it. It, that's what people use. It's like an appropriate phrase. Sure. Okay. Anyway, uh, go on our Instagram, on our website. It's our, in our link tree where you can buy merch if you want to, which you probably don't. But if you do, hey. Um, yeah. We're on. Well, I don't know what those moves were. Just that. <laughs> no. <laughs> and yeah, we're on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and I'm out. I the don't end. know. The end. Not Twitter, because apparently... What's happening? Twitter is where you do weird sexual things. Okay? Since when? Gen Z. Isn't if that what ever, Snapchat is? And no. All those if, you ever me- if you ever mention Twitter to Gen kids, Z, the kids' eyes bulge, and they think you're like some kind of weird sex freak. I was like, what's going when on? When did this start? This, this is the year, first I'm hearing about this. This year I heard about it. Is I said it something about Twitter, and they're like, you go on Twitter? And I was like... Not really. And then I had to like find out why they were looking at me weird. But weird because, okay, Taylor Swift, she only posts videos on Twitter. Yeah, but she's a millennial, not a Gen Zer. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 But other non, uh, there are creepy people that are in a creepy Twitter universe that are not Is it Gen like Zers, but private it targeted- messages? Like, I don't know. It's porn shit. That's all I know. It's weird sex stuff. I, this well, is I stopped the first I've heard of when this. they said this, and I was like, okay. Also, I heard a new slang, and I still haven't figured it out because the girl said, try and guess what it means. What is it? Blowing it down. Nope. What do you think that means? She said something about her birthdays tomorrow and where she was going to go. Oh, she was going to um, mall, the Mary, uh, what's what's that mall? Up in North Jersey, that big one. What? What's it called? That big one. In North Jersey? Yeah. Mall of, not the Mall of America. No, American Dream a- Mall. American Dream Mall. Because oh. I'm going to go there and I'm going bl- to blow it down. Okay. Blowing down means getting loud, going off on someone, being argumentative. I mean. Blowing it that down. That kind of sounds like her. Um, I thought it meant like kind of like blowing the roof off this place, you know? Is that really old? It is old. <laughs> Did you know getting lit does not always mean getting drunk? I always thought the kids meant it was getting drunk. It's not? It's just like having a good time. Oh. Mostly with alcohol, but it doesn't always have to be with getting. alcohol. Are you sure? Yeah. Into, no, it and they also intoxicated. Say, That's what I, yeah, but now they're starting oh, to change now it. now it's broader and it means exciting or excellent. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's so lit. Oh, they also say Liddy, and I think that's so stupid. You know who says Liddy Kitty in the city? Brandy Cyrus. On um, I still don't know if I like that podcast. <gasps> My favorite thing podcast. It's just like a lot of uh, oh, weird I like sounds. It. It's a lot of it's a lot of weird sounds. The audio bothers me. Their voices, and then there's too much ding ding, and a lot of he does a lot of weird. He does impressions. Yes, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. Okay. Good to know. I like him. Love Wells a little Adams. Much. Mm-mm. He's a little much. He's a little much? Really? I want to like him. I love Wells Adams. I also Wells not Adams. sure how I feel about her. Her, I, could, I can't understand, really. I haven't. No, she's still with can't. that guy in. No, they broke up a long time ago. Yeah. Anyway, See, this is boring. Long, this is boring, boring for so people. Long, uh, All right, I've been listening. Okay, ready? Yeah, I'm listening. This is the story of you're at, I you're putting things it. on your calendar. I have to finish. All right, go ahead, oh, guys. Um, okay, this is the story of the Unabomber. <gasps> Fuck. 
I know. Cause you said the other week that you didn't know anything about Ted Kaczynski, which is the Unabomber's name. So we're doing it. Son's a bitch. Son's a bitch. Okay. Do you know that the Unabomber stands for university and airplane bomber? What? You know, Unabomber, you put it together. I don't know why Sorry, I airline thought bomber. it meant one person. <laughs> one person bomber. Yeah. <laughs> like a solo bomber. <laughs> like instead of like, you know, um the air rage with the what are those uh, kamikazes? Oh, I know you hate when I, I hate poke. when you poke me. Sorry, kamikazes like how they're they're one person but there's multiple of them. I thought he was just like a one like a kamikaze versus a kamikaze. <laughs> Like a paparazzo versus it's not a paparazzi. A panini, panino situation. Panini, here. panino, paparazzo, paparazzi, unibamo, unibami. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So, did he drop bombs? Well, uh, I'm not gonna say the whole thing. Okay, but let me intro him. <clears throat> Theodore John Kaczynski. Born May 20th. Not John Krasinski. John Kaczynski. Kaczynski. That even has a little like talky thing. Oh, I muted my computer. Hold on. Kaczynski. There you go. Um, Also, no. It's a weird way to itch my arm. Um, (laughs) Also known as the Unabomber, University and Airline Bomber, um, was an American mathematician and a domestic terrorist because those go hand in hand, right? Math. Terrorism. Yep. So when he was younger, he was known as a mathematician prodigy. But, you know, as most crazy people do, uh, he decided to hit the road on modern life and his academia life. And in 1969, decided to have a more primitive lifestyle. Primitive. Living in the woods? Living in the woods. really? And he looked at, like, modern technology and modern society as, like, really evil evil and like no tv that's the devil's well anything jesus christ <laughs> jack i'm smiling he looked right at me, me what i smiled what do you think well, i'm smiling at a murderer i don't know Why would i smile i thought like guy. a child snuck down <laughs> and then i saw an animal your animal. my animal you but, know what he but, looks like i know but kieran said all the dogs were upstairs not sneaky, sneaky man. Oh god, that scared me so bad. <laughs> That'll be fun to watch back. <laughs> I oh think I literally god. jumped out of the you seat because you know what? I saw down. Harry Styles out of the corner of my eye, and then a hopping animal because my dog has three legs. Um, and my brain just went danger, danger between the man and the dog. All right, I saw it behind your head just. Ooh. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> And he's like hopping, but looking dead in our yes. eyes at the same time. Like, nope. I don't think I'm supposed to be here, but I'm here. Interrupting, interrupting. Oh God, that scared me. Okay. Sorry. All right. So university uh, and airline bomber. Okay. So yeah, he looked at modern technology as evil and the destruction of humankind, which maybe not so wrong, but I mean, social media is terrible, but don't bomb people. No, I mean, That's it's not, not bomb nice. worthy. That's not nice. Okay. Listen, was he not using plastic bottles in the woods? He's like, you know, being plastic all healthy and green. In the Is that like he thinks like I don't know. It's nineteen sixty nine. Did they I have plastic, plastic bottles? bottles when did the plastic when did the one use plastics happen? Look that Great up while question. I read. Okay. Single use plastic. So sing one use, single use, same thing. Panino Panini. Panino Panini. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. <laughs> okay. So, like I said, Theodore John Kaczynski, Ted Kaczynski, was born in Chicago. 1979. Oh, single. He, see, he wasn't using single use plastics. Oh, no. Already controlling 80% of the bag market in Europe, plastic bags begin to spread to the United States. Oh, okay. Who started it? But that's plastic bags. Europe? Europe okay, started plastic bags? Okay, so he was born May 22nd, 1942, to a working class family. His mother's name is Wanda. And his Wanda da- Sykes? <laughs> Wanda Teresa. Um, and his dad's name is Theodore Richard, not Theodore John. So he's not a junior. Oh, God, I'm sure his dad would be pissed. If oh, my God. That was like his direct um, like name. His dad was a sausage maker, so insert joke here. 
<laughs> I just thought that was funny. That, the way you delivered it was pretty good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> okay. Um, they were Polish Americans who were racist. Polish sausage makers. <laughs> I don't think we're being politically correct right now. Um, nice Polish sausage. <laughs> is it a kielbasa? No. Kielbasi, kielbasa, kielbasa. Oh, panino, panini, paparazzo, paparazzi. Um, <laughs> Uh, they were raised Roman Catholic, but later became atheists. So, you know, nothing so against okay. atheists as long as you don't bomb people. Um, ba, 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 ba. If I don't believe in God, he will not smite me for bombing people. <laughs> Whenever I hear the word smite, I think of Bruce Almighty when Jim Carrey is like, smite me, almighty smiter to um, Morgan I Freeman. I never really liked that movie. I like Jim Carrey. It's my one of my least favorite Jim Carrey movies. That and The Yes Man. But that was I liked it. I think I might like all Jim Carrey movies. So. I mean, I do. What did you think about Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind? Depressing, but I loved it. Loved it. Montauk. Yes. Duh. Okay. So from first grade to fourth grade, so ages six to nine, Ted attended Sherman Elementary School in Chicago, where administrators described him as a healthy and well-adjusted child. Um, (laughs) uh, Three years after um, his brother David was born, the family decided to move to a suburban area, Evergreen Park in Illinois. And so Ted transferred to Evergreen Park Junior High School. So there they tested him and his IQ was 167. Holy moly. In junior high. Wowzers. Crazy. So they were like, well, you're smart. So we're skipping you. So he skipped the sixth grade. Um, and Probably could have skipped seventh grade too. Yeah. That's just too much awkwardness. Well, that's what they said. They said he, like, think about how much middle school sucks. So now you're skipping one of the sucky years to going to another sucky year. And he's socially not. He's in a brand new school, too. Brand new school, too young. He's being bullied. He's socially inept because. Not okay to bomb people, though, because you're not cool. Please don't do that. Bombing is bad. Okay. Um, okay. So a lot of people said that, um, the Kaczynski family like sacrificed their kids well being for the sake of like their academics. So anyway, take that with what you want to, but I mean, he could have been socially awkward even if he stayed at the other school in sixth grade. So whatever. Exactly. So he attended the Evergreen Park Community High School where he excelled. He played the trombone in the marching band. He was a mm. member of the mathematics, biology, coin, and German clubs. Coin? Coin. A coin club. Coin club. Yeah, I guess like collectors. Collecting. Yeah, collecting. Mm. Right. So in 1996, a former classmate said, quote, he was never really seen as a person, <laughs> as an individual personality. He was always regarded as a walking brain. Listen, nah, not not cool. Um, so during high school, he became intensely interested in mathematics, spending hours studying and solving advanced problems. He became associated with a group of like-minded boys interested in science and math, known as the Briefcase Boys. <laughs> so nerdy. I'm not really going to say anything about that. Um, Throughout high school, uh, Ted was ahead of his classmates academically, even though he skipped a grade. Wow. Um, He did the more advanced math classes. Um, He then skipped 11th grade. Oh, shit. And by attending summer school, he graduated high school at the age 15. Whoa. I know. So he was one of his school's five national merit finalists and was encouraged to apply to Harvard. Again, this is at age 15. I mean, it happens. He was accepted to Harvard and entered the university on a scholarship. So this was 1958. A classmate later said that Kaczynski was emotionally unprepared and they packed him up and sent him to Harvard before he was ready. He didn't even have a driver's license. I mean, yeah, he's 15. It's like those kids that were homeschooled. Like, I forget how, it was like eight of them, and they all finished 12 years of school in like six years, something Mm -hmm. like that, and the youngest was like 12 going to college. Like, that's not okay. 
And he's like really far away from home at a very young age in a, yeah, in a right? city. Like yeah. Illinois to Boston. Boston. Far, far. Okay, so he went to Harvard as a mathematics prodigy, right? So during his first year, he lived at um, Prescott Street, which was intended to be like a small, like intimate living space for like mm-hmm. the youngest, like most, I guess it wasn't uncommon to like have people like skip a grade to go to Harvard because Harvard was like so prestigious and is, is still. Mm. Um, so, but apparently it was not good. He was very intelligent, but like not social at all. Um, Imagine being his roommate. Then like how awkward it is. Like you're an 18 year old guy and you have this 15 year old roommate and you're trying to like get the ladies and yeah. like you're, you're too young. Okay, so in his second year of college, he participated in a study by author Alston Chase, um, and this was really bad. So they kind of did this like weird psychological experiment led by um, Harvard psychologist Henry Murray, where subjects were told that they would debate personal philosophy with a fellow student and were asked to write essays dealing with like personal beliefs and aspirations. They said it was supposed to be um, anonymous who would like, but they would like confront and belittle people's essays. So openly. Yeah. So it was like apparently very abusive. There was like a lot of verbal attacks. Oh, that's nice. And they were like using the essays as like ammunition to use against them. So following this, they used electrodes to monitor the subjects, like physiological reactions to being like verbally abused. So these encounters were filmed and the subjects like expressions of like anger and rage were later like played back to them repeatedly. Can they have said no to any of this or this was like kind of required? I guess they thought this was like normal. I don't know. This went on for three years. Oh, is there electrocuting his head? No. <laughs> no. They're doing like, like no. checking his head with those no, electrodes? No. Electrodes are just yeah, shocking brain waves. They're not I don't sho- know. You never know. In them. the 70s, you don't know what's going on. No. no, 50s, 70s. 50s? You said 58. 58, yeah. Yeah, no, these are on. electrodes monitoring brain waves. Yeah, something's going on with those things. It's like an E E K. What one's E E G? One's E K J. I forget which. I one. don't remember which is which. You think that those are all clean and pure? And they're not sending any <sighs> shit through you. Anyway, you're not getting back it. in the fifties or seventies. You're not getting it. It's three years of verbal emotional yeah. abuse, and then it being replayed back to you. No, no, I don't like that shit on his head either. Okay. All right. Anyway, so later Kaczynski's lawyers, like in later years, would say that these like hostile mind control techniques like were cause of like why he turned into what he did. Um, and really, during World War II, this guy, this psychologist Murray, had worked in the Office of Strategic Services as a U.S. Um, intelligence officer uh, for the CIA, and he like oh. he conducted these psychological experiments. So you don't you don't do that on like college kids and 15 like year old. L- fifteen sixteen however year old. It, it's not good. It's not good. Telling you, it's not good. Not good. Okay. So in 1962, Kaczynski enrolled in um, University of Michigan. So he finished, he's going on to his master's now. Master's, sorry, master's and doctorate in mathematics. So in 1964 and 1967, respectively, getting his master's and doctorate. Um, So Michigan was not his first choice. He wanted... um, UC Berkeley, he won University of Chicago, both which accepted him, but he didn't get, I think, like the financial aid or the teaching position he wanted. So that's why he went to um, University of Michigan. So, Isn't Michigan still a good school? I don't know. I don't know these things. Um, he was qualified as a unusual person, not like other graduate students. He was much more focused about his work. So again, it's all about the math and less about socializing. Maybe he's a virgin too. What does that have to do with anything? Maybe a little human, nice human interaction would do him some good after some bullying for three, four years. And the verbal abuse. Um, Okay. Um, so for a period of several weeks in 1966, Kaczynski experienced intense sexual fantasies of being, what did I just say 
of being female and he decided to undergo gender transition. Shut the fuck up. I know. Weird, right? He um, was this- like ahead of his time. Weird. I mean, like not weird to transition. Right, right, right. Th- this was known like, I don't know. Never mind. Okay. He arranged to meet with a psychiatrist because you had to like, you have to, to this day, go into True. therapy yeah. to make sure you're of sound mind. Um, but changed his mind in the waiting room and discussed other things instead mm-hmm. without disclosing his original reason for making the appointment. Oh, so he never went through with it. Yeah. Afterwards, he was enraged and he considered killing the psychiatrist and other people whom he hated. Um, he described this episode as a, quote, major turning li- turning point in his life. He said he felt disgusted about what my uncontrolled sexual cravings had almost led me to do. And I felt humiliated and I violently hated the psychiatrist. It had nothing to do with it. That's called displacement, displacement of anger. You made the appointment with the psychiatrist because you wanted to transition. What does that have to do with the psychiatrist? So did he work out that he did not actually want to transition and he had just... No, um, I think he just felt really, feelings it's 1966. About- a, this is very uncommon. B, very, very dangerous for a 19, 19- there was that, um, Eddie Redmayne did that movie of that real person who tried to transition and died from the procedure. Um, so it's dangerous. It's not common at all. I mean, still, you know, a new thing today in 2024, um, and then there's, but he probably has all this like guilt and shame and all this. So again, not okay to bomb people, but like he's, he, his anger towards himself, he's displacing on who is psychiatrist. Okay. Um, did a turning point discussed it with himself. Da, da, da. So from there came a major turning point in my life, like a Phoenix from the ashes, um, my despair to a glorious new hope. So he's on the road to Cuckooville. Um, and has nothing to do with him, you know, being a transgender, right? It's everything to do with like his psychosis here. Um, okay. So, da, 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 you know, dissertation, he does all this stuff, doctoral advisor, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So in late 1967, he's 25 now. He became an acting assistant professor at UC Berkeley like he wanted to oh. be. Oh, okay, good. Um, he taught mathematics, obviously. Um, he was the youngest assistant professor in the history of the university. Well, yeah. Well, he's 25, too. Um, which I don't think you typically have your doctorate at 25. Um, no. Yeah, no. Um, um, probably do regular teaching before you become yeah. a professor. Um, by the next year, he was on track for tenure. <laughs> Within um, one year. I know. Well, I Although mean. his teaching evaluations, you know how you have to like rate your professor. Yeah. They didn't come back so great. Um, people said that, you know, he was uncomfortable to be around. So Shit. not so great. Um, well, he's socially awkward too. I mean, from all these years. Of yeah. They different. said that like he taught straight from the book and refused to take any questions from the students. Oh, that's almost, that almost seems a little like rigid, like, like autism would where like, this is how I'm supposed to do it. Or maybe and he just doesn't no know how to talk from. to people because people have been so no, shit so, to him. Maybe he has no social skills. Zero social yeah. skills. No, you're right. Um, so without any explanation, in June thir- on June thirtieth, nineteen sixty. Yes, you're a mind Feel it. reader. Feel it. He just dream job resigns after ten year. After ten year, in nineteen seventy, a letter written by John W. Addison Jr., the chairman of the mathematics department, um, said that he referred to the resignation as quite out of the blue. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, they said he was shy, but he was really in the swing of things. Um, really though, reading right from the book like that. Yeah. So now we're, we're gone from Berkeley and now we've moved to Montana. This is when things get real bad. (laughs) Okay. Why Montana? Yeah. That, you know, you can't get more woodsy than Montana. I don't think you want to go remote, you know, salt of the earth, 
away from modern life I mean, look in the 60s there. is Mon- I would love to go to Montana. In the 60s, I'm sure it was even more desolate than it is. I think that's exactly why. So after resigning from Berkeley, he moved to his parents' home in Lombard, Illinois. Two years later in 1971, he, remo- he moved to a remote cabin that he built himself in Lincoln, Montana. He's where handy? He, where, apparently. Well, he's a mathematician. They know how to build things and make them sturdy. Yeah, I mean, you could measure shit. Doesn't mean you know how to hammer it in. I think with that IQ, he knows how to do pretty Fine. much anything. Yeah, I mean, there's no YouTube tutorials, but... <laughs> Okay, so he wanted to live his simple life with little money and no electricity and no running water. Oh, okay, sure. Pooping in a in a hole. I could maybe maybe see like no electricity. Like people did it, but I I need a toilet. Yeah, I need I need. How a is sink. he drinking water? Wells. How did people do it back then? There has to be a Wells? well on the property. Then I would assume it's so what, Montana. He's literally peeing and pooping in the woods. Probably. Doesn't Montana get really fucking cold? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Anyway, so he worked odd jobs and received a lot of financial help from his family. So oh. they're like, definitely. Feel bad for him. He's a little fucked up. I don't know if they're like enabling or just like feel guilty and they like love him because he's like their son. But yeah. So his original goal was to become self-sufficient so he could live autonomously away from modern life. Uh, He used an old bicycle to get to town. He volunteered at a local library. Um, He would read books in like their original languages. Like he was like crazy smart. Um, But people like it's a Lincoln, Montana. They said this was not uncommon for people to just like live in the woods and like be cut off from like electricity they're like this is a typical lifestyle for montana in the 60s so it kind of fits in yeah so um uh so according to a census taker in 1990 his his cabin slash shack contained a bed two chairs a storage trunk a gas stove and lots of books (laughs) i wanted to see your reaction would you like to see the cabin no. And yes. for the people who follow us on Instagram and are watching this on YouTube, I will post a picture. There's probably a picture right here now where I am. That's it. It ain't big. I mean, he built it himself. Of course, it's not that big. Yeah. I would look up the square footage. Um, where did he live while he was building it? Like in a tent in the that's yard? A great question. Um, so looks pretty ugly. Well, I want to see what the inside looks like. I don't have that. Man. Um, so his father visited him very often in his cabin. Oh, yeah. What's his relationship like with his parents? Good. His dad was very impressed with his wilderness skills. Um, unfortunately, his dad was later diagnosed with terminal lung cancer in 1990. Smoker. Um, maybe. Uh, and he was like, I need a family meeting. Um I want everybody like to be here so I can map out everybody's future since I have a terminal illness. Um, Ted never showed up. And on October 2nd, 1990, he shot himself and, and killed himself in his home. How did we get to 1990? I'm just going over some things. Who shot himself? Not Ted. His dad. He had terminal lung cancer. I guess he didn't want to deal with it. And I so thought we, we were in himself. the 70s. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just skipping a little Where bit. Where is his terminal? When did he get diagnosed with terminal Lung cancer? In 1990. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. You skipped a lot. I know. Well, I was just doing that real quick. Mm. Now I'm going to go to the bombings. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So between 1978 and 1995, um, Ted mailed or hand-delivered a series of very sophisticated bombs that cumulatively killed three people and injured 23. Wow. So 16 bombs were um, attributed to Ted while bombing devices were spread out through the years. Um, and it's weird. Some of them, the bombs contain the initials FC on them, which stand, which he would like write in. It would stand for Freedom Club. A freedom Who's Club. Club of One, I think. Yeah, a club crazy of party of one. Crazy party of one. Um, so he would like inscribe it like on the insides of the bomb. Like, who's that for? Like, who's looking at that? I, I mean, bombers. 
bomb diffusers and all that. But yeah. yeah. Um, So he purposely left misleading clues in the devices and took extreme care in preparing them to avoid leaving fingerprints. Um, Fingerprints found on some of the devices did not match those on letters that he would send. So like, I feel like he like, yeah, maybe like had other people touch it to like mislead people. I mean, that's not a bad idea. Like pick up a stack of paper that somebody else hey, was grab using. That for me. Yeah, yeah, hey, exactly. Grab that um, shard real quick and just <laughs> So I'm just gonna real quick go out all of the the bombings real quick because it's all it's a long list. You okay? Yeah, it's organized. Interesting. It's very organized. So unless I say death everybody's injuries were either minor or significant, you know, but they didn't die. They just had like a a limb gone, either minor cuts or burns or like limbs gone, blindness, deafness. So this is like a powerful bomb. Yeah. Yeah. He's not joking. Like blow, blow a leg off bomb. Yeah. Like, okay. I'll go, I'll go through some of them. All right. Okay. So 1978, Northwestern university, um, those were minor cuts and burns. I don't want to like belittle any of this. This still sucks. Yeah, um, I don't want to get a minor cut burn from a bomb. That's traumatizing. No. And that was two people. Um, November 15th, 1979, American Airlines flight 444 from Chicago to DC, 12 passengers. Um, uh, and they had non-lethal smoke inhalation. So that means he had smuggled the bomb on board the airplane. It occurred mid-flight. Um, okay. Is that why we can't take liquids on airplanes? That's, I hope so. Um, June 10th, 1980 in Lake Forest, uh, one person injured, um, president of the United Airlines. He had a real thing against airlines, uh, severe cuts and burns over most of his body and face. Not nice. Ouch. Uh, October 8th, 1981, University of Utah. The bomb was diffused. Uh, May 5th, 1982, Vanderbilt University. Mm. So like, okay. Why is he targeting Cause Maybe because he was like really fucking abused at Academia uni- was his whole life for a long time. He was also psychologically tortured for three years. And then something made him abruptly quit. Quit. Okay, so Vanderbilt. Maybe um, he had an affair with a TA or something. Maybe. So the university's secretary was injured in this one. She had severe burns to her hands and shrapnel wounds to her body. Ouch. So the University of Berkeley twice, July 2nd, 1982, and three years later, May 15th, 1985, um, Two different people, severe burns and shrapnel wounds to hands and face, and one of them lost four fingers and severed an artery in their right arm and has partial loss of vision in their left eye. So not cool. It's a shit ton of damage. It's a lot of damage. Berkeley was where he was working when he got the tenure? Yeah. So he's just like fucking up his old employment place? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, June 13th, 1985, Boeing Company in Auburn bomb defused. Uh, 1985, November 15th, University of Michigan, psychology professor and research assistant, temporary hearing loss and burns and shrapnel wounds. December 11th, 1985, Sacramento, uh, a computer store owner died. February 20th, 1987, Salt Lake City, another computer store owner, severe nerve damage to left arm. June 22nd, 1993, Tiburon. I don't know what that is, where that is. Tiburon. It's a city. Oh. It's a city in California. Uh, Charles Epstein, a geneticist, severe damage to both eardrums with partial hearing loss and loss of three fingers. Yale University, June 24th, 1993. What's crazy is we're alive during these periods. It's crazy. Also, that he's going all around to all these places. Yeah. And how does he pick these places? I don't the ones know. that he's never been to before. Yeah. So Yale University, computer science professor, severe burns, shrapnel wounds, damage to right eye, and loss of use of right hand. Not good. Um, December 10th, 1994, New Jersey, North Caldwell, an advertising executive named Thomas J. Moser died. And April 24th, 1995, in Sacramento, California, Gilbert Brent Murray 
timber industry lobbyist death. Lobbyist? Yeah. I don't know. I don't really see a connection with all these things. I think he's just picking random places. It, it's, it seems to be that way. It, it is kind I of... I mean, other than the universities, but they're not yeah. all connected universities, so I don't understand. So a lot of them are like packages, you know, that, that are being delivered and... Uh, yeah. It's like that time, of, you know, where they were like, check your packages, mm-hmm. anthrax, and all that shit. Yeah. Um, so the ones on the airplane were like in the cargo hold. Um, oh. Yeah. Not in the... What do you call that? Where the passengers are? The cabin? cabin. Yeah, the cabin. The cabin. Yeah. So not in the cabin. No, in the so cargo hold. So they're in the cargo hold. How are they damaging people's skin? It's that powerful of a bomb? Yeah. Well, mm. with the plane ones. What if, it, what, what if the plane with the went plane, down? With the plane one, it was just um, smoke inhalation for that one. Um, I think that was the, was the airlines one the only plane? There was a pilot and then there was airline one. Yeah. Was the pilot on the plane? He was burned everywhere. Where? Where do you see pilot? I I know I don't think you're right. I don't know. I oh, president you. of the United Airlines. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. Um maybe it wasn't on the airline. No, I don't think that one was. Um eh. No. It was not. Okay. Oh, there it is. President of the United Airlines. Um, uh, his bomb apparently had failed. They had to do an emergency landing. Okay. Um, okay. So Still not good. No, not great. Not great. Um, the random people like the that died, the lobbyist and the advertising executive uh-huh. they happened to be the ones that like opened up the mail letters so so it was in a letter mm-hmm. yeah how do you put something like that in the letter i i'm sure it was like a package it's like inspector gadget or this like message will self-destruct i loved inspector gadget that was such a good show i wonder if you could find it on old like you know how they're bringing back what was it on nickelodeon mm, nickelodeon maybe but you know how they're bringing back like rugrats and mm. shit that we and that's on Netflix or something. I was watching Love is Blind, and they met the um, creator of Angry Beavers in a Comic-Con event. And I was like, I haven't thought about Angry Beavers in so long. That's got to be somewhere I loved to watch. that show. What were their names? Norbert and... How do you remember that? Norbert and... Angry Beavers. Dexter? It sounds so dirty now that I think about it. Angry Beavers? <laughs> really, really, really... Uh, Daggett and Norbert. How do you Daggett. remember that? How do you remember that? I remember Norbert. That was such a funny show. I wonder if it's I appropriate for our kids. Probably would not be funny today. Probably not. Probably not appropriate either. I even watched, what did I watch? It wasn't Rug, Rugrats. was like, I watched one episode. I was like, yeah, it's all right. Was Angry Beavers the one where like the, the salmon were spawning? Yes. I love and the, that. The banished you on a mountain with a itchy sweater. <gasps> yes. yes. Oh, that was a good show. That was a good show. Okay. Remember Ah Real Monsters? Yes. I do. Liked did you them. like that? I did. Yeah. I loved Are You Afraid of the Dark? Nah, I didn't like that that much. Ever I was Scary. older than you. I was four years older than you. Well, I was. I am. <laughs> you were. Okay. So now we're in 1995. Now we're in the time of his very famous manifesto. Um, so he he's a famous manifesto. He's mailing. Se- Not that famous. I don't know. It is. Um, he mailed several letters to media outli- outlets outlining his oh, goals. Oh God, was he BTK? Kind of, yeah. And demanding major newspaper print of his, get this, 35,000 word essay on the industrial society and its future. Uh, Yes. I mean, he's a little full of himself. Mm -hmm. He stated that he would desist from terrorism if his demand was met. So the controversy of whether to publish it or not was like debated over like attorney general Janet Reno and the FBI director Louis Free. Can I ask a dumb question? Yeah. I know Janet Reno name. What other famous shit 
did she do? So I'll read her little bio here. Janet Reno was an American lawyer and public official who served as the first female and 78th United States Attorney General. She was a member of the Democratic Party and held a position from 93 to 2001, making her the second longest serving Attorney General. I think she was just, we just know her name because she was the first female. Okay, cool. Okay. Okay. Anyway, okay. So they're like, do we like do what this terrorist wants us to do and like publish this in like the media. Um, so they're like, so Janet Reno and the FBI director are like, you know, for like public safety, maybe we should, but that's when, um, the, I don't know how to say his name, Bob Gagoni of penthouse, uh, was penthouse. Yeah. Penthouse. 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 Penthouse was like, Oh, you don't want to publish it. Like I'll publish it. It's great for my, you know, my production Penthouse. here. Penthouse. Penthouse. Okay. So Ted did not like that. It was not respectable. It's too he said, sexual, not enough. He literally said it's not respectable. Not a academic a, praise. A murderer says it's not respectable. Um, so he's publishing this and no one knows he's the murderer of all these things or they do know? Um, I think they did not know where to find him or they did not know his name, but they knew he was, there was one single person doing it. Um, dumb. They're dumb. They don't know this yet. (laughs) So he goes, uh, you know, like I want the New York times or I want the Washington post to quote, increase our chances of getting our stuff published in some respectable periodical. I reserve the right to plant one and only one bomb intended to kill after the manuscript is is um, after our manuscript has been published, if Penthouse published the document instead of the Times or the Post, so the Washington Post published it in uh, September nineteenth, so nineteen ninety five. Threat. Yeah, he's like, I'm going. If you to- don't post this. I will. I will set off a bomb. Yep. So he used bitch baby. (laughs) You love that phrase. So he used a typewriter to write his manuscript, capitalizing entire words for emphasis instead of italicizing. (laughs) He used we a lot or the FC, the freedom club. Um, Who's in this club? Just him. You can't have a club with one person. It's not a club. (laughs) I know. It's just you. Okay. So I'm not going to get into what his like freaking manifesto said, but basically it was like the human race is led is going towards disaster. If we don't stop modern society, blah, 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 blah. I mean, like God, if he saw today, (laughs) I know. Um, so yeah, he said it's ruining human freedom and national products, whatever, whatever, whatever. What exactly is ruining freedom of people? I, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it and why he thought this way. I mean, he's crazy man. So yeah. Okay. So because of the material used to make the bombs, um, us postal inspectors who initially had responsibility for the case labeled the suspect as like the junkyard bomber. Um, then FBI inspector Terry D. Turchi was appointed to run the Unibomb investigation. In 1979, the FBI led a task force that included 125 agents from the FBI, the Bureau of Alcohol, the ATF, I'm not going to say their whole name, the ATF, and the U.S. Postal Inspection Service because he's doing it through the mail, obviously. So the task grew to more than 150 full-time personnel working to find him. Um, uh, You know when you go to mail letters and they're like, is there anything, da-da-da-da-da, do you think they didn't start asking that until after this? Oh, and like is there anything you, hazardous, flammable liquid? Not that anyone's going to say yes to that. Is it all because of the Unabomber that we have to answer that question? Seems like it. Um, okay. So they were like going through, you know, my new, like, scraps of materials that they had investigators later learned that the victims were chosen indiscriminately from library research. So he just like, was like picking, picking people, picking people from library research. He was like, remember he would like ride his bike to the library all the time in the woods. Yeah. Um, okay. So (gasps) that's a creepy picture. Yeah. That's what went around the newspaper. So yeah, that's in, this is in 1987. What Danielle's referring to is like a sketch of him 
with like glasses and a hood. So this was in 1987, um, a suspect sketch of the Unabomber followed the Salt Lake City bombing that injured Gary Wright. It was superseded by a more iconic sketch by Gene Bolin in 1994, but it was the first to show him in the hooded sweatshirt and sunglasses. So was he near the scene of the bombings? How did people know what he looked like? Yeah, people could see, like, saw someone suspicious walking in and out of the buildings or something. Because he, he, remember, he hand-delivered some of the packages. So before the publication of his manifesto, The Industrial Society and Its Future, Ted Kaczynski's brother David was encouraged by his wife to follow up on suspicions that Ted was a Unabomber. Oh, okay. Um, David was, like, dismissive at first, but he took it more seriously after reading the manifesto after it was published in 1995 in September, 1995, he searched through old family papers and found letters from Ted dating back to the 1970s that he sent to newspapers to protest the abuses of technology using Mm -hmm. phrases that were similar to the phrases he used in the manifesto. Okay. Um, I mean, not enough real evidence there, but they said he would like, capitalize like certain letters too. Oh, okay. So like, like unique things like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, trademark. Yeah. So before the manifesto was published, the FBI held many press press conferences asking the public to help identify the Unabomber. They were convinced that the bomber was from Chicago area. So Mm -hmm. he was originally, how do they know that? Um, I'm sure, you know, the FBI like tracks shit and everything of like, I don't know. Um, I guess. And that's also where the bombings began. Um, or had worked in or had some connection to Salt Lake City, and by the 1990s had the association with the San Francisco Bay Area, Um, so Berkeley. Um, So this geographical information and the wording in the excerpts from the manifesto that were released before in the text made David's wife urge him even more, be like, I really think this is Ted. Yeah, like, listen, his wife is like, your brother lives in the woods, he doesn't like modern society. He's really socially awkward. So thanks to the wife, right? Why? Because now he's caught? Well, it led to it, but hold, hold your horses. Well, you said thanks to the wife. Um, well, it was thanks to the wife. So after the manifesto was published, the FBI received thousands of tips. So while the FBI reviewed new leads, David... Ted's brother hired a private investigator named Susan Swanson in Chicago to investigate Ted's activities discreetly. David later hired Washington, D.C. attorney Tony, I hate names, Biscolini, Biscol, I don't know, whatever. That looks nuts. Right? To organize the evidence acquired by Swanson and contact the FBI. So, like, he really was trying to, like, get this done. Um, Biseglia? Maybe. There you go. I like that. Okay. All right. That sounded better than I thought. But this Kaczynski family wanted to protect Ted from danger from the FBI raid, which was because I mean, that's cause, his parents. I mean, and they were also to like be on their side a little bit. They saw those things that happened at Ruby Ridge and Waco. You remember the, the FBI just like blew everybody up. Um, even like the brainwashed people that really didn't deserve to be blown up. Um, so they like feared that kind of like violent outcome. So like, you know, they were trying to protect him. Okay. Um, so the Biseglia person um, <laughs> contacted former FBI hostage negotiator and criminal profile Clinton R. Van Zant. Van Zant? Yeah, Van Zant. Isn't that, what's his name from Bruce Springsteen band? What's his name? Stephen Van Zant. Oh, I don't know. In Sopranos. And basically told them, told him everything that David had kind of gone down and all the evidence that they had and everything. Mm-hmm. They had an analyst involved and yeah. yeah. So they gave a copy of the essay that was written by Kaczynski in 1971 to the FBI. And they're like, look, this is like really similar. They had a linguistics analyst. Ooh. And so after that they were like, okay, let's, let's get a search warrant for Ted okay. Kaczynski here. Is he living solo still or like, Still in the super outskirts of the woods? Does he have no, like he's an in-town house? No, he's still in that he cabin. Like com- sometimes comes to town and stays? No, he's still in that cabin. Okay. No. Um, David, it was sad for David because he had like emulated his older brother because he's such a genius, you know? Um, 
Is he stupid or is he just average? I don't know. I don't know. He has a smart older brother, but like, you know, he was skeptical of him because he left for this like survivalist lifestyle and everything. Um, so he had several assurances from the FBI that David would remain anonymous and Ted wouldn't know that it was him who helped. But unfortunately, CBS News leaked it. Why? That's so mean. I know. I know. Um, and so, like, the media was then trying to get David and his wife, and they're being hounded. They have kids and or no kids? I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. Um, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So, the arrest. FBI agents arrested a very dirty... A very disheveled. Oh, because he's Ted Kaczynski. in the woods. <laughs> yes, he's dirty. At his cabin, April third, nineteen ninety six. A search revealed a cache of bomb components, forty thousand, forty thousand handwritten papers. Forty thousand. That's cuckoo. He was going to kill that many more people. It's just journal pages, just oh, journal just pages. Journals. But in the journal pages. That's was bomb making experiments, description of his crimes, and a live bomb. Like there's a stack of forty thousand pages and a live bomb. Live <laughs> meaning like he said it to detonate. No, it just like wasn't a dud. It was a live bomb that could go off when he wanted it to. With a button push. I don't. What the fuck do I know? I don't know. Oh, you're pissing me off. Click. Maybe just pull a thing. I don't What's know. that thing? <laughs> the grenade, right? You yeah, 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 yeah. You throw it. Yup, there you go. Uh, they also found what here. appeared... To, oh my God, Karen put on a fire. Oh, so cold. Um, but, but, but. They also found what appeared to be the original typed manuscript of the Industrial Society and its future. So that really was the nail in his coffin, right? Like, not only the bomb, <laughs> but the actual original manifesto. Um, so by this point, the Unabomber had been the target of the most extensive investigation in FBI history. For real? For realsies. It doesn't sound that extensive. Yeah, and they had spent over $50 million in the <gasps> investigation to find him. What did they, what did they do? Where where did the money go? To what? To fi- I don't know, to fucking find them. I don't know. Listen, they were eating donuts on the job, <laughs> 50 million. No, airplanes and salaries no, and No, 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 no. No. You don't believe it? 50 no. million. That's a lot of donuts. That's a lot of donuts. Okay. Um Anyway, okay. So a federal grand jury indicted Kaczynski in June 1996 on 10 counts of illegally transporting, mailing, and using bombs. His lawyers um, attempted to enter a insanity defense, which I don't blame them, to avoid the death penalty. But Ted was like, no, I'm not crazy. I'm completely normal. Was the death penalty in that state or was it like everywhere at that point? I, why do you ask me these questions? I don't know. You know a lot about this shit. I don't know in individual states, do the death penalty. Know, it's still different in each state. Uh, do you think, or do you know, was the death penalty always... You're gonna ask was it originally always on the table? Like when we first started out as a country, was it was like, like... Did every state have the death penalty? Yeah, like because we used to hang people. I assume so. But and then slowly states... Got more conservative with it. Sure. Is that the right word? That's yeah. not the right word. Sure, whatever. Okay, go ahead. Anyway. <laughs> okay, insanity, but he was like, no, no, no. Um, January 8th, 1980, 1990. I'm wearing a t-shirt. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm getting chills. You have a fever? No, you're fine. 1998, he asked to dismiss his lawyers and hire Tony Sarah as his counselor. Sarah had agreed not to use an insanity defense and instead promised to base a defense on his anti-technology views. It's not a real defense. Yeah. So you're you're using technology to create a bomb. So don't be anti-technology. Good point. It's dumb. Um, it's yeah, dumb. That's a good point. Um, after, and that's his mugshot. That's what he looked like you when know, he was he arrested. Looks he looks fucked. homeless. Well, he, he looks was, I mean, emaciated and dirty what and What was he homeless. eating in the woods? Berries? Twigs and berries? I don't know. So after Squirrel. his anti-technology views was 
dismissed. Uh, they were like, no. Uh, he tried to kill himself on January 9th. Um, a psychologist examined him and they're like, yeah, he has paranoid schizophrenia. <gasps> oh. Okay. Okay. Um, some mm. psychiatrist said he wasn't psychotic, but had a schizoidal type personality disorder. Uh, who, who knows? Who but like, who he's knows sick. when he's sick. he got that? He's he sick. lived in the woods solo for years. Yeah. You could become crazy. I think he became crazy and then, I'm sorry, mentally ill. That's not, that's not nice. No, he's crazy. He's a, okay. he's a murderer. You're right. He's a murderer. You're right. You're right. You're right. Anyway, it was his mentally ill that, you know, would save him from execution, right? So on January- They can't kill you if you're mentally ill? Yeah. Okay. So on January 21st, 1998, he was declared competent to stand trial by federal prison psychologist, psychiatrist Johnson, despite, quote, despite the psychiatric diagnoses and prosecutors sought the death penalty. Kaczynski pled guilty to all charges on January 22nd, 1998, accepting life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. He later tried to withdraw this plea, claiming the judge had coerced him, but <laughs> Judge Garland Ellis Burrell... Jr. denied this request, and the United States Court of Appeals in the Ninth Circuit upheld that denial. In 1996, Burrell ordered that items from Kaczynski Cabin be sold at a reasonably advertised internet auction. Why? Uh, I don't know. Where's but the money going? What's wrong is that, like, he had diagrams and, like, bomb recipes and everything. It was just, I don't, I don't like it. But they were using the money to award the victims and victims' families. I get it. But, like... The bomb recipes. Making that much money. So, yeah, the net proceeds went to $15 million in restitution. So, I mean, that. Did they sell $15 million worth of stuff or it just helped go towards a 15 mil? Uh, The auction ran for two weeks in 2011 and raised $232,000. So, no. Very far away from that number. (laughs) So almost immediately after being convicted, Kaczynski began serving his eight life sentences without the possibility of parole. I thought he only killed three people. Eight? He got eight? Yeah. Yeah, whatever. More the merrier. Whatever. Um, Early in his imprisonment, he befriended somebody, whatever. They happened to be... This is so fucked up. They happen to be um, the people involved in the 1993 World Trade Center bombings. <gasps> so it's just like bombers being friends with each other. Wait, so they were already in jail? Yeah. So it's the World Trade Center bombers and the Oklahoma City bombers. Yeah. So wait, he Ramsey, befriended someone. Yousef who- and Timothy McVeigh. So they're all in the same prison. They're like, hey, I bombed this. Hey, I bombed this. Yeah. And the cool. Supermax prison in Florence, Colorado. In Colorado. All right. Yeah. Wow, that's nuts. Uh, Yeah, Kaczynski stated about Timothy McVeigh that on a personal level, I like McVeigh, and I imagine that most people would like him. No, he's a murderer. No. (sighs) Okay. Maybe when you get past all the murdering, he's not a bad guy. No. Yeah. Um, Okay. Oh, this is funny because we just talked about the Tylenol murder oh, Chicago. Yeah. So in 2011, Kaczynski was a person of interest in the Chicago Tylenol murders. But like I said, one was bombing and this was poisoning. So it didn't make sense. Uh, Kaczynski was willing to provide DNA sample to the FBI, but later withheld it as a bargaining chip for legal efforts against the FBI's private auction of his confiscated property. Not nice. Um, on December 14th, 2021, the 79-year-old Kaczynski was transported transported to the Federal Medical Center in Butner, North Carolina. Butner? Butner. At 12.23 a.m. on June 10th, 2023, Kaczynski was found in a cell... <laughs> in his cell, unresponsive. He was taken to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. 2023? Yeah. That's not that long ago. Less than a year ago. What month? June? June 10th, 2023. How'd he die? He old as fuck? No, he's not that old. Ready for this? Prison officials believe his death was suicide. He was in the late stages of cancer. So much like his father, he didn't want to deal with cancer and he killed himself. What a pussy. Yeah. So he what's made his it all age? all these years mm-hmm. 
And then he was like, oh, I got cancer. I might as well just go. Yes. So he was 81 when he died. Oh, well, that's older than I thought. He was going to be in prison forever anyway. So whatever. Now we have less bills to pay for his prison imprisonment. I guess so. I guess so. How did yeah. he kill himself? I don't know. Let's look that up. His brother is still alive. He's 74. How did Ted Kaczynski die? Uh, it just says he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. wonder if he... Mm-hmm. I guess you just hang yourself in prison. You don't have a gun. I, I feel like you could also... What, are the, what do they call those things that they make? Shibs. Shibs. Shiver shank. Shiv shank. <laughs> you shank someone with a shiv. There you go. Is that it? That's what it is. Oh, yes, oh, okay. that's what it is. Um, how Sh- did he die? Look up, die. <laughs> Look up, die. Um, I don't know if we know how he did it. I thought he was going to have killed more people. I mean, I know he injured a lot of people. That's not nice, but I mean, I'm happy more people aren't dead. He des- Here's something, though. He described his motive as simply personal revenge. I had often fantasized of killing the kind people I hated, i.e. government officials, police, computer scientists, the rowdy type of college students who left their beer cans in the laboratorium. Really? Really? He's mad at his life and what everybody did to him. I don't know. College students have left their beer in the boardroom. How dare they party? How dare they have fun? I'm awkward. Everybody must be awkward. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say how. It just (sighs) says unresponsive and suicide. Remind me never to wear my contacts this late. I have been... uh, Ever since I switched to AccuView Oasis, the new one where they... The extra liquidy... That's what that means? Extra liquidy? (laughs) Oh, I'll show you after. I was going to say, hold please while I get my package. But it's like the updated one where like it has like a time release liquid thing. I don't know. I could be making Shut this up. up. That's no, weird. I could be making it up. I don't think up. that's real. But my eye doctor said it produces, it makes your eyes produce more moisture. But I have the AccuView Moist. You would think moist, moist. I ones. hate that word. Whatever. You would think AccuView Moist would be moist. like that. Ew. So gross. Um, whatever. W- wicked wind down time. Oh. Wicked wind down. I am like almost out of context. I don't know how I did this. I can't order more until Friday because of Why? insurance purposes. Oh. It's like, oh, you're not due. But I have like, how'd you run out so quick? I'm not out, but I'm scared. I'm almost out. I'm scared that by the time I order and they come in, I'll be out. But you have glasses, right? They're so old, they're not even my real prescription oh, anymore. because that's what I do. If I run out of contacts, I just wear my glasses until my contacts come in. Yeah. My glasses are very, very old prescription. But I'll probably you just do it You gotta start doing, like, sparingly. Like, skip a day wearing contacts and wearing your glasses instead. Like, yeah, and wear your contacts. Like, I'll do work. that, like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going out this weekend, so, like, I want to not wear my glasses, so I'll wear glasses today. I like when you wear your glasses. Well, thank you. I like when you wear your glasses. My glasses are busted. You know how my glasses Get a new are? pair of glasses. It's one or the other, contacts or glasses. Glasses aren't that that expensive. If you get well, like- no, no. My prescription is so thick oh. that I have to get that one that's super shaved down. So it's always like $400. <gasps> I was going to say, mine are usually less than 200 No, I have really bad eyes. Donald, I didn't So know they're that. like, oh, you could get frames that where you can, it won't really matter if it's like the the- Lens sticking out so much. I'm like, oh, so you have like back in the day, you would have had like Coke bottle. What is it? Coke bottle, Coke cap. You know, like where they have the thick, thick. Let me. Let I me don't appreciate up. this. Sorry, Coke bottle glasses. See, they knew exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the picture I pulled up is not flattering. That's I'll, rude as fuck, I'll man. I'll have to put it on. I'll put it on. That's so rude. On YouTube and Instagram. It's so funny. What is that man's face? <laughs> he looks like, okay, for the people who, who can't see this right now, he looks like the guy from, um, oh, fuck, um, Office Space, where he's yeah. like, took my stapler, took my stapler, <laughs> and then he like lights the building on fire. That guy had like Coke bottle glasses, and he's always like mumbling to mumbler. Not it looks that like that bad. guy. <laughs> 
Which is bad. Space. They're not that bad. Just bad. Oh my God. Oh my God. That was so funny. Milton. 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 That's such Milton. a Milton face. That is a Milton move. Took me stapler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Look how thick his glasses. Jenna, stop making fun of my glasses. Okay. As I'm like crying and smearing my makeup everywhere. Maybe I have that prism thing. Uh, Maybe I have that prism problem. You do have the prism problem. If it's like, if I have it and my daughter has it, you have it. Sure, I have it. Okay. Should I start with liquid wind down since I just insulted you? Is it enough for idle time? Your liquid wind down? I'm going to give one thing. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Me and Kieran are watching this new show. It's not new. It's from 2020. But funny that we just mentioned Office Space. It's the guy from um, Office Space and also Sex and the City Burger. Uh, Oh, Burger. What's what's his name? Yeah, Uh, his name. His name is, I should know this since I'm bringing it up, Ron Livingston, obviously. I would have never guessed that. Ron Livingston. So it's called Louder Milk, like Louder Milk, but it's the guy's guy's last name. It's actually like extremely funny. And it's not. You're really that I'm cold? so chilly. You have a hole in your pants. I know. It's a hole in this cake. It's a hole in this cake. <laughs> if you can name that movie, we're friends forever. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's very funny, very dry, sarcastic humor about alcoholics in AA, and it's it's hilarious, and I'm a big fan. Like, he's an asshole, but he's like a, a, a kind-hearted asshole Sorry, trying to help people. Instagram. Or your Netflix. My Netflix? Mm-hmm. Uh. We'll talk about it. I started watching The Lincoln Lawyer. I haven't really gotten into it yet. Listen, this is all idle time stuff. If you'd like to hear, no, no, no. If you want to hear about our, what we're watching and our recommendations for TV, movies, books, music, go tune into idle time. And uh, yeah. Save your house. Lock your doors. Safety in numbers, bitches. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, help us out and follow, subscribe, rate, and review. Share us with your friends on Instagram at Did Not Need to Know and Facebook and Twitter at DNNTK Podcast. We will be releasing new episodes every Monday. Bye.